Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Ridiculous Ashes podcast. I'm Dan Lippi. With me is Alex Bowden. Hello. We're covering historical Ashes series to find out which nation is the more ridiculous at cricket, England or Australia. And the first series we're covering is the 1997 Ashes. And the question you're probably all wondering is, how does this all work? And uh, Alex is here to tell you. Okay, so the way it works is I nominate three ridiculous moments from England. Dan nominates three ridiculous moments from Australia. And then we pick out the strongest ones. Uh, We give three points, two points, one points to the top three. And the team with most points wins the test in terms of ridiculousness. Um, I usually give a sort of terrible and vague definition of ridiculousness (laughs) at this point. But uh, I think in many ways, the whole the whole podcast is about our is exploring our definition of what ridiculous is. So, I mean, you'll get the vibe. Yeah. Um, The series at the minute is one one. Uh, Australia started strongly in the first test and then England hit back. Uh, And then the third test was drawn with uh, Steve Waugh's twin hundreds matched by England's double collapse and a magnificently pointless innings from John Crawley in the second innings, just uh, stretching out the match for no real purpose. Uh, So, on to the fourth test. What happened in the fourth test, Don? Okay, well, uh, the fourth test, uh, uh, not only are the ridiculous Ashes locked at one all, the the regular boring old Ashes are also locked at one apiece. Uh, So Australia won the toss and they put England into bat. Uh, And England made their way. It was a bit of a rainy first day. And they they made their way to a relatively comfortable 138 for three. Uh, But then they lost their night watchman, Dean Headley, and immediately collapsed to 172 all out, uh, with Jason Gillespie finishing with uh, the rather impressive figures of seven for 37. Uh, In reply to that total from England, Australia made their way to four for 50, but then they reverse collapsed. They they, uh, added a 268-run partnership between Matthew Elliott and the recalled Ricky Ponting. Uh, Both of these two made centuries, including 
including uh, a, a near double century for our lady fell one run short, making 199. And Australia reached 501 for nine before Mark Taylor decided that, that they'd declare at that point. And then uh, despite a ton from NASA saying that we're legally obliged to describe as bloody minded, England could only reach 268 in their second innings, giving Australia an innings and 61 run victory and the lead in the series for the very first time. Uh, but will they take the lead in the ridiculous ashes? It's time to find out. Okay, my first nomination is England's third and fourth collapses in a row. Uh, this is already becoming a fairly predictable uh, submission. Uh, so in the first innings, um, I think it was by the, the fourth collapse in five innings as well. Yeah. Uh, they they got to 138 for three, and uh, at that point Dean Headley was in, and it, he seems to be playing quite nicely that morning. He was hitting a few fours and playing well, so definitely got the vibe that a good score was on the cards here. And then they finished 172 all out. Uh, and the second innings was a different sort of vibe. Um, it was more sort of one for the purists because they got to 222 <laughs> for four uh, shortly after the start of day five uh and finished 268 all out so it's not such an obvious collapse but um very definitely was one yeah i mean at that point they had some sort of slim chance of saving the match they were about 100 runs away from making australia bat again uh, and then lost six for 46 um it's interesting to ponder which one is the better um the, the first one is is your classic collapse a very very obvious just straightforward just really putting yourself on the back foot in the game but i quite like the second one i think uh, i don't know if that says something about my history of cricket watching but uh, they the second one they, there's just the faintest sense of hope and then they just brutally snuffed it out in the most unequivocal way possible i thought that was very fine very fine from them yeah the, i mean i i, I guess that the, the, they both offer a little bit of hope don't they and then they they, they get rid of it because uh, the the one from 138 for three or three for 138 as i i like to say uh that, that, that also had a bit of hope. I mean, you're batting first, uh, first innings of an important test match, and you, you've got your way to a decent start. And then uh, to end at 172 all outs, that, that, that's pretty much putting yourself in, in a position where you, you're not really going to win a test. Uh, I guess my biggest concern, are, are England just relying too much on collapses here in this series? Uh, it's a solid bit, I'll, I'll grant you that. And they, they, they've pulled them all off exquisitely. But they're, they're really going back to this well, aren't they? It, they are they are looking a little bit like well not a one trick pony because they they have many other forms of ridiculous as well but it's definitely the sort of um, central pillar of their strategy to collapse regularly. I do think they have different tones of collapse. They do. And, uh, there's almost a ridiculousness in how reliably they collapse as well. So I don't know. You can take it both ways. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's like, uh, you know, the, the Shane Warne mystery balls, the, the, vari the variety of collapses they've got. They've, they've got a series of mystery collapses. You never quite know which one they're going to hit you with next time. So it's, it's, it's always entertaining, at least, which, which one they're going to pull out of their kit. Always innovating in the field of the collapse. <laughs> All right. My, my first nomination is going to be Greg Blewett, who's, who's appeared a few times so far this series. He's playing well. He, he is indeed. This time he, he caught Crawley uh, via his foot. And uh, this was a situation where Greg Blewett, he was fielding at short leg and he'd already taken one reflex catch there to get rid of, uh, I think it was Mark Butcher. Uh, and, and this catch of Crawley, uh, the, the ball hit his foot and it popped basically straight up and he just comfortably took the catch. 
Uh, now, the video footage isn't particularly clear whether the ball hit the ground or not. Uh, the umpires didn't seem to have access to any kind of replay to check this situation. Or if they did, the, the, the replay was inconclusive. And so Blewett, uh, unlike Ian Healy several tests ago, he, he was, wasn't going to withdraw the appeal. He, he was definitely claiming it. And uh, so Crawley had to go. And I think I like I think I like this. I, I think in all close catches which rely on deflections, I, th- I believe benefit of the doubt should always go to the fielding side because deflections are very ridiculous. And if it, if the if there's any dispute and it goes to the fielding side, it makes the batter just that little bit more aggrieved. And I, I think that adds to the ridiculousness of the situation. Yeah, I would I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, the the catch itself was. It, it was quick. Yeah. The, the action was quick. And the blue, it was going for the ball straight off the bat. He hit it pretty cleanly. And he, he start, his hands start moving towards the ball. But in that time, the ball hits his foot, bounces up in the air, and is then back on the way down again. Yeah. And his hands sort of arrive in the correct positions. The ball, the ball is, is once again for the third time about where he was aiming in the first place. It's, uh, yeah, it's a fine catch indeed. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a very silly catch. Uh, so yeah, I, I I like it. Okay, my next nomination is Mike Smith One Cap Wonder, which is a uh, is an iconic moment from the nineties. I think a, a lot of people remember this. A lot of people remember Mike Smith. <laughs> well, they, they remember that he is a One Cap Wonder. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's sort of all he's. He was a fine bowler. He was a, he was a good swing bowler, but yeah, um, yeah he's better known for for this this one match. He, he replaced Andy Caddick. The whole not changing the team thing, which they had between the first and the second test, was was over. Now they're just <laughs> they're, they're off to the hats. Yeah. in search of rabbits. They're gonna keep uh, keep pulling until they get one. And, and, and just a just a reminder here that the 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 series is still one all. Like all these, yeah, these but pet- you can feel the, the desire amongst the England selectors to start <laughs> experimenting or just start overthinking things. You can feel it start to happen. Yeah, it's one of the great things. Uh, sort of reviewing the series is looking back on the team selections and seeing things unfold. Um, the, the most famous moment from Smith is that he, he found Elliot's edge on, on 29, found Matthew Elliott's edge on 29, but Graham Thorpe dropped it. It was a pretty straightforward catch, sort of straight at his face. Um, and then Elliot went on to make 199, uh, whereas Mike Smith never took a test wicket. <laughs> that was his one chance, really. Um, but I suppose if I were to preemptively undermine my own nomination here, it, there is a bit of hindsight in this. It's a bit hindsight corner. Hindsight because we, we we couldn't know for definite that it was gonna he was gonna be a one cap wonder. Although I would say that in in Wisdom's report they said in hindsight the decision to omit Caddick in favour of Smith looked a disaster. So 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 it was hindsight straight away. I think it was the people were <laughs> there was a sense of hindsight approaching early. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do do you think Thorpe bought Smith a beer or something afterwards? You know, may, maybe not immediately after that test, but once he realised that Smith was going to be a one cap wonder. Yeah, at what point do you do you acknowledge that? I mean, it was sort of 15 years later when you were tired. It's like, oh, I now realise that I dropped your one chance for a test wicket. Although, conversely, he did create his his one moment to be remembered. Because if he'd been a one-cap wonder and taken one test wicket, that would be much less memorable, I would argue. Yeah, that's than true. having one chance, one easy chance and seeing it dropped. And it would be awkward if, like, Thorpe came up, you know, three tests later and said, oh, man, I, I, I feel <laughs> terrible about t- ruining your one chance. 
you're one and only taste because you are definitely not getting another. That would be a cruel. That would be a sour tasting beer. Yes. All right. My next nomination. Uh, I'll, I'll continue on the Matthew Elliott theme because, as we mentioned, he was out for 199, and that, that's. I, I feel in in some ways being dismissed for 199 is is perhaps even more ridiculous than being dismissed for 99 because because you do get loads of batters who are you know make it in the 90s. They get all anxious and you know nervous and they they they're all concerned about this arbitrary recognition of a, a bump to three figures. Uh, but the nervous 190s, that's that's not a thing, really, uh, probably because it's it's infinitely rarer. Um, <laughs> but but to fall one, one run short of a double century does feel like a very silly thing to do, and it's kind of a, a little bit more understated than uh, the, the, the more classical 99 ridiculousness. Yeah, and he, he was out bold as well, yes. which I, strikes me as one of the less likely modes of dismissal for a batsman on 199. You think he's seen it? You're on 199. You must be seen it pretty well. You I would mean, think run so. out. You would think it'd be pretty likely. Yeah, bold. I mean, just straight through. <laughs> well, I was, I was a good Yorker from uh, Darren Goff. I think it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was kind of a ridiculously good Yorker, and uh, it's probably the kind of ball that Goff should have bowled a little bit earlier in his innings, perhaps, given given the success he had with it. He always seems to take with this surprise. Yorker. Maybe should have been less of a surprise. Yes, yes. Uh, Elliot did become the first Australian to ever be out for 199. Uh, later on, uh, Steve Waugh, uh, a, a less ridiculous cricketer, but uh, also made 199. And then, of course, an absolute ridiculous legend in Steve Smith made 199. So they're the only two other Australians to ever be dismissed for 199. I, I wouldn't rule out Smith having a 299 yeah. in him as well. Yep. <laughs> My, well, my next nomination is also Matthew Elliott, uh, in a sense, because it's it's England v Matthew Elliott. Um, there's a similar <laughs> thing here to, to Greg Blewett in the first test. So in, in the first test, um, Greg Blewett made 100, and that meant he had 300s in his first three Ashes innings. And uh, there was a similar sort of thing going on with Elliott, where uh, the 199 left him averaging over 50 from nine tests. <laughs> and that, that included 200s in, in, in this Ashes series. And again, there was just this sense of him being an absolute world beater, as there was um, with Blewett. And uh, it it just didn't really pan out like that in the end. He he finished with, well, uh, Blewett finished with 400. So three and three, I should say, and finished with four in total. Uh, And Elliott finished with 300 from 21 tests and an average of 33. Um, A possible explanation for this is that, as with his Lord's 100 earlier in the series, uh, England dropped him three times, which, statistically speaking, if you drop a a reasonable batsman three times, he's going to score like an extremely good batsman, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you're effectively quadrupling their effectiveness, aren't you? You're giving them three chances before you dismiss them. Yeah, that's going to boost your average. I I did some calculations on that. With with that kind of approach, pretty much every test cricketer who can bat as well as Kirtley Ambrose, who had a Test batting average of twelve point four would appear to be, you know, a, a, you know that that fifty mark for a great batter. So that, 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 that's what happens when you drop someone three times every time. If you can turn Kirtley into a, a Steve Smith level cricketer, then yeah, that's, that's a lot of lives. Yeah, I, I, I guess the other thing I like about this uh, this nomination is that in the moment, um, w- without the benefit of hindsight corner, it would have been corner. unclear which of the two centurions, Ponting or Elliot, would go on to average thirty three. 
43.48, which one will go under average 51.85. That's uh, over a much longer period. Yeah. It's, it's like one of those games where, you know, a street hustler shuffles around the cups and there's a ball underneath one of them and you have to guess which one it's hidden under. And, you know, so in, in this metaphor, Australia is the hustler and the cups are the cricketers they select and the balls are the actual legendary careers. And in, in, <laughs> England are the chumps who go, oh, I could have sworn that was Elliot. <laughs> All right, I'll move on to my next nomination, and and this one's a this one's a very very simple one. This is uh, uh, Paul Rifle and Glenn McGrath um, partnering, uh, but but not with the ball. Uh, this is this is a, a batting partnership between Paul Rifle and Glenn McGrath. They, they put on an unbeaten forty run partnership at the end of the, the Australian innings, pretty much just to uh, just just to put one final one, one final dig into to England as they got ground into the dirt here, uh, and. That, that, that's pretty ridiculous whenever Glenn McGrath is part, part of a, a, a large-ish final wicket partnership. But I, I think the thing that more or less ruins this is that uh, Taylor eventually took pity on England and declared, and he possibly curtailed a, a truly spectacular ridiculous moment by, by cutting off this partnership at a mere 40 runs. Yeah, uh, there's a case of what might have been there, isn't there? Yeah, well, like seven years later, Ricky Ponting let McGrath and Gillespie put on a century partnership against New Zealand. Uh, that, that, that falls out of our purview, sadly, but uh, that's the kind of thing that, yeah, that, that's proper ridiculousness. Yeah, I, I would also argue that it you know the fact that that partnership exists casts <laughs> this one in a poor light it does. a mere 40 runs from a glenn mcgrath partnership and there's so much potential in it <laughs> yes um have you got any uh, any other moments which didn't necessarily make the cut well i i think my, my my favorite ridiculous moment of the test um like better than any anything that i've nominated my absolute favorite ridiculous moment of the test was that that's the standout performance for australia who were gillespie elliott and ponte they were all playing their first Ashes series, and of the veterans with more than 50 tests, the Wars contributed 12 runs between them. Taylor obviously made a duck, obviously, uh, and Warren took just the one wicket and also made a duck, and it was pretty much only Healy who made any kind of contribution, and even then, only barely. Uh, he scored 31, I think it took a couple of catches. So th- this is just basically showing off now from Australia, isn't it? They're, they're just throwing in all these noobs and say, we're still going to beat you by an innings. And the only reason I didn't nominate it was because I'm not sure which side to credit uh, this to ridiculousness wise it's like it's ridiculous on both sides and uh so i just ruled it out of consideration yeah well it's kind of an aspect of my uh my elliot nomination i suppose yeah. really that just all of these characters you turned up and I, I can't emphasize enough that at the time everybody who came along you really did feel like they were the next ricky ponting and on yeah. one occasion they were yes <laughs> and uh, on other occasions they weren't but yeah. at the time it just like oh they could just pick anybody and uh, <laughs> um i got a couple there was a bit more futility from John Crowley in the second <laughs> innings, which is uh, becoming his calling card. But I, I didn't nominate that one. The, the draw was sort of vaguely still possible. So, uh, it, you know, he was he was at least batting for a reason yeah, uh, on this occasion. But my, my favourite one isn't really attributable to either side. It's uh, it's the war stories that mm-hmm. I found in Wisden. That, that's W-A-R? Uh, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Um, so, quoting from Wisden, uh, once again, there was tension between the fierce Headingley stewards and the sometimes raucous spectators in the Western Terrace. Two men dressed in a pantomime cow costume cavorted <laughs> round the boundary and were crash tackled by officials after play. The man playing the rear end, Branko Rizek, did, needed treatment in hospital. Uh, Brian Cheeseman, a university lecturer dressed as a carrot, was frog marched from the ground for drunken and abusive behaviour. He vehemently denied the allegations. Mr. Cheeseman has 
been attending Headingley tests in fancy dress since 1982. I love that this is, this warrants a uh, mention in wisdom. <laughs> I have so many questions for this. Firstly, why are the Headingley stewards so angry about this? Is, uh, is it because they're not allowed to participate in the fancy dress? What 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 infuriates them so? They just they're just sworn enemies. Headingley stewards and pantomime cows and. Uh, Carrots. <laughs> I, I guess the, the, my other question: Why, why does somebody named Cheese Man dress as a carrot? He, he, he's just he's, <laughs> it's, this is a terribly muddled brand he's got going here. It's, uh, well, yeah. unless he's like a nineteen seventies cocktail party. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've, I've got a, a couple couple of other just little moments. Uh, uh, Ian Healy at one point dropped a catch behind the wicket, but it somehow you know fell within the vicinity of Mark Orr's ankle, so he just kind of reached out and caught it, which is just kind of the ridiculous stuff. I, I saw that. It, Mark Ward didn't even flinch. It, <laughs> it, was, it was so smooth. It was like it was. He was. He was taking a catch sort of ninety degrees from where he would ordinarily be taking it, but it was just every bit as silken. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think the other thing I, I liked was that England went to lunch on the final day at uh, two sixty eight for nine, and then they came out after lunch and lost their last wicket first ball. So that, <laughs> that, that was very neat. Neat way to end the yeah, test. Let's get our votes uh, underway here, and I, I'm going to try very hard not to be biased. But but were Australia somehow more ridiculous than England in an innings victory? I, I know that seems unlikely on the face of it, but Elliot made 199, which is very silly, and Blewett caught one that may have rebounded off either his boot or the ground, and both of those things seem very silly to me. Uh, so I'm not quite sure. Uh, are Australia a chance of winning this one? <laughs> Uh, possibly. I uh, the only thing I'd say about the Elliot one is I, I feel that uh, the the only reason he got to 199 <laughs> was thanks to England's refusal to dismiss him. So I feel like they, they should almost be credited for, <laughs> for, for, for part of his 199. That is a fair point, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean we have already established that the 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 dread power of dropping somebody three times that makes Curtly Ambrose one of the greatest batsmen in the history of the game. So I, I, that that is hard to argue against, I guess. But but also the fact that this was the second time in the series that they dropped <laughs> three times on the way to 100. I mean, dropping someone three times on the way to 100 once, that's, that's yeah. careless. Yeah, Oscar Wilde twice. would not approve. <laughs> I think I could concede that point. I, I think perhaps dropping Elliot three times to, to let him get to 199 is perhaps the, 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 the sillier. It's, it's, the, it's the base of some kind of silliness uh, pyramid. So I, I think you're probably right. I think that probably does uh, rank a little bit higher than the 199. You, you, you're a bit dissatisfied with England's England's <laughs> batting clubs. But I guess I am arguing that the, the mere fact that they're recurring so relentlessly is, is almost part of the nomination, I think. It is pretty relentless, isn't it? And I guess, yeah, the, the, the catch-up... It's not the... England's latest collapse. It's, it's England's not... latest collapses. collapses yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're really powering at home, aren't they? And and I guess that that's up against... I, I, I pretty much got to rule out the... Uh, much in the same way Tubby ruled out the the uh, partnership between McGrath and Rifle, I think I've got to rule that out of contention as well. Mike Smith, uh, as we've well, as I kind of said myself, probably a bit of hindsight corner. We can't yes. really claim that. You never know. He could have he could have played another test at the time. We we, we yeah. didn't know this. Yes. So, um, so what have we got here? We got Elliot uh, being dropped three times at three points. Elliot out for 199, two points, and then what, what's the what's the one point? Is is it England's collapses? 
Yeah, England's col- well, England's collapse is up against deflecto catch, I suppose. But I'm going to strongly argue for collapses. Yeah, I, 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 I think begrudgingly I have to give it to the the collapses. I, I, I mean, it's getting a little bit tired, but I, I think yeah, if they continued into the next test, I, I may be concerned for them. But okay, uh, I, I think I'll have to pay it this time. I, I think that means England take this test. Yes. Uh, well, three point three points for uh, the dropping of Elliot and a point for the um, the collapses gives them. Four points to Australia's two. So uh, an England victory. England take the lead in the series. Um, two one up with two to play because this is a ridiculous series of six tests, not five. Important to mention. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a, a, a nice little subtext of ridiculousness <laughs> yeah. there to the series. A good one to start with, the old classic six test yes. series. All right, I think that uh, pretty much does it for this particular test. Uh, thank you for listening. You can find Alex at his website. That's kingcricket.co.uk. Uh, you can find me. I'm at liebcricket.com. That's L-I-E-B, cricket.com. Uh, you can find this podcast. It's on all good podcast stores where presumably you've already given us your honest five-star rating and review. And uh, the mighty England ridiculous side have taken the lead in the series. Can the plucky nonsense Australians fight back? We'll find out in a week when we're back with our coverage of the fifth test of the 1997 Ridiculous Ashes. We'll see you then. See you then. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.